It's time now for another edition of Roarman's Raging Softball Report. Everything Louisiana softball. Now, here's your host, loving Louisiana softball since 1981. It's the Roar Man. Hello, and welcome into another edition of my softball podcast. I am the Roar Man. I really do appreciate you tuning in. In this podcast, to look back at the first half of the season, that's right, the first game against Southern Miss this weekend will be the halfway point of the regular season. 28 games down, 28 to go. I'm going to tell you what I have witnessed, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'm not going to do it alone. I have joining me. Terrell Bear, a very knowledgeable softball fan when it comes to the Raging Cajuns. Terrell, thanks so much for taking part in this podcast. Thanks for including me again. Appreciate it. No problem. First, let me start off by asking a question. I'm going to answer it first, and I'll let you answer it. When I think of one word to describe the season to this point, What is that word? Well, the word that comes to mind is inconsistent. I will elaborate on that shortly. But first, what word would you use to describe this year's team? Uh, The word I would use would be learning. So why don't you uh, hang on for a second? I'm going to talk about the inconsistency. It's kind of a long explanation. So we'll get back to learning. And I think that's a really good choice. Inconsistent. Inconsistent in the circle, inconsistent at the plate, inconsistent in the field, and an inconsistent, ever-changing lineup. So let me start with the pitching. There have been flashes of brilliance, no doubt. A no-hitter by Megan Shorman against UCF, a no-hitter by Carly Heath against Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, and some really fine relief pitching by Kendra Lamb. And so far, really good stuff from freshman Chloe Riazzetto. Now, as good as some of the pitching performances have been, there have been times when the pitchers just have not been able to get it done. And once that, that is just, I don't really know what to call it, but here it is. Hit batters. Last year for the entire season, that's a total of 60 games, Cajun pitchers hit a total of 34 batters. That's a one, that's about one batter every game. This year, at the halfway point, they have hit 33 batters. That's one less than all of last year. And again, we're just at the halfway point of the season. So they're actually on pace to hit about 70 batters. I don't think that's going to happen. But if it does happen, I'm pretty sure that's going to be a Cajun record. So, Tara, what's going on with the hit batters i honestly don't know perception of of kandra lamb was that she was the one that had more control problems uh than anyone else and it had to do more with her being in tough situations more than anything else i did not see that from sam last year did not see that from megan last year they seem to have fairly good control. I don't know if they're trying to pin, if they're being taught to try and pinpoint more the inside corner 
uh, on the batters or try and jam them or whatever else like that. I, I don't know. I don't know if this is uh, something that's being taught to them or if they've simply lost whatever control they had before. It's very concerning, uh, and it does have to be dealt with. So you had mentioned that Tandra had some control problems in the past that she's kind of worked out. This year, she has only walked 10 batters over 22 innings pitched, so that's about a batter every other inning. Megan Shorman has pitched 53 innings and walked 17 batters. Sam has pitched the same amount of innings that Megan has. That's 53 innings. Megan has walked 17. Sam has walked 33 batters. That's twice as many as Megan. As you mentioned, Sam did not really have that issue last year. Chloe has pitched 21 innings, very similar to what Kendra has pitched, and she has walked 11 batters. So, you know, very similar to what Kendra has done about a batter every other inning. Uh, 50 batters walked combined for Megan and Sam over 106 innings. That's got to get better, doesn't it? It, it does. And, and the other thing about it is it's not just the innings pitched. Yes, Kendra has more innings than Chloe, but she's only appeared nine times. Chloe has appeared 13. So that that's an indication to me that they've either lost confidence in Kendra or she's hurt most of the time like she has been, like she was at the start of the season. The fact that they are riding Megan and Sam almost exclusively and putting everybody else in only when they're in trouble seems to be the issue here. But for Megan and Sam to have that much loss of control is a problem. And it definitely needs to be addressed. And they're the ones who have to do it. Right. Well, again, um, to be honest, I mean, you know, just tell it like it is. Sam, much more than Megan. Again, they each have the same amount of innings. And uh, Sam has walked twice as many batters as Megan has. Now, also, of course, they're on pace to walk more batters this year than last year. And they're also on pace to strike out fewer batters. Do you think it's a matter of the stiff competition they have faced so far as far as for the lower number of strikeouts? There's a very large difference between last year's schedule and this year's. And I, I judge based upon not so much how high the RPI is of a team or anything else like that. I judge it based upon what type of competition they normally face. The Cajuns played a total of nine games against power conference teams last year. They have already played 15 teams with two, two more to go. So certainly they're facing better batters. Those batters are making them work, whereas they didn't have to last year. Yeah, I think those are some very valid points that you have made, especially against the Power 5 teams and top teams across the nation. Of course, they played number two, number three, number four, number five. It's been really tough, and they've only played eight games at home, 20 games away. God, that team has got to be exhausted going to Florida, going to Texas, going back to Florida. I know as a fan, when I went to when I went over to Austin, I was exhausted after an 18-hour day. Just think of what they were feeling. They, they're on the field. They're playing. They're also going to class. They're students as well. So it's got to be 
just really taxing on them. So actually, the harder part of the schedule is over. Conference is right around the corner. So let's move on to the play in the field. And close, uh, Coach Glasgow mentioned at the beginning of the year, he was not pleased with the way the Cajuns played defensively last year. So he spent a lot more time in fall ball working on defense. He knew for the Cajuns to realize their goals, the defense just had to get better. So far, it has not. Last year, the team finished with a fielding percentage of .964. Right now, the fielding percentage is at .963. So pretty much the same. How do the Cajuns get better and cut down on the errors? Jerry is going to have to get um, – I, I understand putting several people in different positions and trying to see who fits best in whatever role. Most good programs do that. They they will take a certain amount of time uh, once the season starts to make sure everybody's in a position that they belong in. I don't think I have seen this many people in this many different positions from anybody, from any team on any level, as much as I have seen this year. Normally, by the time conference play starts, you have people who are going to be in their exact position and they will be in that position going forward. They won't move around unless there's an uh, injury. That basically is going to be your set lineup not only in the field, but also in the batting lineup. With conference play starting this weekend, I sincerely hope that Jerry has made the decision, this is where they're going to play, and this is what I'm going with. Because these players, it doesn't matter how talented they are. If you do not get repetitions in one spot, knowing what you have to do and making sure that execution is going to be 100% of the time, you're going to have a problem being successful. Well, I was going to get to that a little bit later, but since you mentioned that, I want to get to it right now. And I'll go back to uh, a couple of more things about the play in the field and we'll talk about at the plate. But I mentioned that there was inconsistency in the starting lineup. And I went back and I took a lot of time and I looked. So not only is the starting lineup not the same game to game, but Glasgow was also changing players in and out as the game goes on, depending on what the score is, who he thinks is better defensively. And I want you to listen to this. There have been 27 games played. And Glasgow has, are you ready for this? You're not wearing a hat. So just uh, hold on to your hat. If you were wearing one, you should hold on to it. 27 games, Glasgow has trotted out 24 different starting lineups. That is unheard of. I would think that that probably has never, ever happened before. At the college softball level, the college baseball level, but again, 24 different starting lineups out of 27 games played. Part, part of the other issue that we have to look at with with this team is that you have you have three players. You only have three field players with more than one year's experience. Jordan, Carly, and Sophie. Everybody else that is playing right now outside of the pitching circle has only one year's experience or less on the Division I level. 
And even at that point, yeah, Carly played at South Carolina. Jordan played at Texas A&M. Sophie's been here for her two years. They have faced a certain amount of upper-level competition. None of the rest of these players have. This year's schedule is stronger than last year's. So now they had to not only get accustomed to Division I play, but now this year they have to face even stronger Division I play. It's like they're starting all over again and finding out what upper levels of Division I competition really are. That's not an excuse defensively. The excuse is that they're playing different positions all the time. But in a batting lineup, if you're batting second and then you're batting sixth and then you're batting third and then you're batting eighth, you you don't get into a rhythm. Your service-oriented, your function when you're batting is what you're supposed to do when you're in the batting lineup. When you're the leadoff batter, you're the table setter. When you're number two or three, you're normally going to be either an advancer or an RBI person. So if their roles are changing every time they come to the plate, they don't have a chance to get into a rhythm. That's why it's critical for Jerry now to have a set defensive lineup and a set batting lineup. And and that's what he needs to ride with going forward because, like I said, it doesn't matter how talented they are. When they get to the postseason, they will, they will go up against teams that know what they're doing. They're accustomed to doing it. And they're successful at doing it because that's why they're there. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. There have been a couple of constants. That is, Maya leads off, Maddie hits second. Uh, Everything else, like you said, does change at times. Now, we could talk about Maddie batting second because when she's batting second and Maya is on base, she's pretty much required to to swing at the first pitch no matter where the ball is thrown. She's also in a position to advance Maya which has kind of cut down on Maddie's batting average. If you look at it this year as compared to last year, man, I think it's almost 100 points down. I might be wrong. Maybe it's not that far down. But because she's in the second hole, you know, the the second batter in the lineup, and Maya gets on base, which she's very great at doing. I love Maya Davis. I think she's absolutely fantastic. I think she is the best freshman in all of America. But when Maddie's hitting second, you know, it's either advance the runner and, you know, it, it's it's kind of been tough on her, to be honest. What do you think about that? Do you think Maddie should be second in the lineup? Again, I'm not questioning what Glasgow is doing, but when you look at her batting average, as compared to last year, it's much lower. Well, Maddie was the leadoff hitter last year, so her function was to get on base, whether by bunting, whether by slapping, whether by gapping, whether home runs, whatever it was. She was the leadoff hitter last year. So now, if you're not the leadoff, where your entire function is to get on base, your role is now changed. I, I think she's capable of being someone who can bring runners in. If her role as the number two batter is simply to advance base one to base two, Maddie doesn't need to do that. Maya is capable of getting the base no matter who the catcher is, no matter who the team is. She's got great speed. She's got great instincts. She can get to second base. She can get to third base on her own. Without, without any help, is Maddie having to adjust her hitting style? Yeah. Let's go to the plate. And uh, there are some really good things. Three players, Maya Davis, Lauren Allred, and Lady Prader are hitting above 400. 
But only two other batters are hitting above 300, and the other ones are between 200 and 300. You know, again, I realize they have faced many more quality arms than in the past. I have to think the hitting will improve once conference starts. But you know what? There are some really good arms, some really good pitchers in conference. What do you predict at the plate going forward? And let me just say one thing. I have said from the beginning of this year, I love Lauren Allred. I saw her perform in fall ball. I thought she was absolutely fantastic. Now that she is getting consistent uh, at bats, consistent starts for the last few games, she is just killing it. And I want to say my prediction was right about Lauren Allred. She was the 114th ranked high school player, and she's playing like she was a top 20. It is obvious that she has no fear, and she's in – She's not having to adjust like the sophomores are. The sophomores faced a certain level of pitcher, certain style of pitcher, certain level of pitcher. Freshmen, when they're coming in, this is their first glimpse of Division One pitching. And if they come in with no fear already or no perception of what a Division One pitcher is, if they're able to hit it, they're going to hit it. And that's the case with Maya and Lauren. They're freshmen. They know what they're capable of doing. They've done it before. And these pitchers are not making them have to make any adjustments, which is why they're able to hit them. There's a very good reason why those two are some of our strongest hitters right now. I agree with you. Uh, we're getting ready to go into conference play. And while there are good pitchers uh, in this league, they're certainly not better than any of the pitchers that this team has faced so far. Uh, so I fully expect this this Cajun team is batting 294 on the season right now. That's a tremendous drop from last year when they were the number two offense in the country. I fully expect that they're going to start hitting. They're going to start hitting well. I'm pretty sure that they're going to start run ruling most of the teams that they play in the league. Uh, and I think that starts this weekend. I, I think we'll see an improvement. I think everybody's going to start hitting better, especially because, especially those players who are returning from last season, they've seen this pitching before and they had success against it. So they won't have a problem uh, batting well in this league. Well, I hope you're right. And I think you are going to be right starting this weekend. Like you mentioned, one more thing before I move on. Coach Glasgow, since arriving on campus, has said when it comes to which player gets the starting nod when two or more players are competing at a certain position, the player who is better at the plate will win out. He was willing to sacrifice defense for a better offense. That's not necessarily the case this year. So do you think he's changed his way of thinking? I don't. I think he's experimented with the defense to try and find out who's going to fit best at any position. But now the conference play is starting. I, I expect he's going to put a lineup out there that's going to be able to hit the ball. And now he has an idea of who can play best in defensive positions while at the same time being able to hit. And I think we'll find that out on Friday. Okay. So now that I've been able to go over my thoughts 
on the one word inconsistency. Your word is learning. So why don't you spend some time talking about the learning experience of the sophomores now who have been here for now their second year and the incoming freshmen are exactly what you mean by learning. I think I know what you mean, but I just want to make sure. So go ahead. Well, I think I've already stated it during the course of what we've been talking about. You have players here that have one year of Division One experience, and then you have a bunch of the rest that have none. You have three players who, three field position players who have more than one year experience that are playing right now, Sophie, Jordan, and Carly. Everybody else is basically getting reaccustomed to what, Division one is simply because of the fact they're going to wind up playing twice as many top level teams that they did last year. 17 is more than half of their non-conference games. So they've gotten accustomed to it now. Now they're going to be taping, taking a step back. It's not that the competition is going to be drastically lower, but it's going to be different. And for these players who played last year, they've seen this competition before. Now they know what to expect. Now they know what they're going to be going up against. The new ones who are playing, they've already shown them. Maya, Lauren. Chloe's done well in the circle. Chloe's done well in the circle. Uh, Griffin's so, done. Griffin's shown some promise. Griffin's done play. well. She's starting to come on now because now she's starting to play. She's being put in the field. We should start seeing a lot of better hitting, no matter who's in the lineup. But I believe he is going to go with a hit-first mentality and who should be able to play defense in this league. Going Yeah, forward. so again, it's halfway through the season. If he doesn't have a good understanding of that, you know, when will he ever, I guess, is the question. I expect that he does. Well, yeah, but here we are at this point again, halfway season. I've said it three or four times, and I think because of the brutal schedule the Cajuns have gone through, all of those games away at home, you know, they have lost probably more games than Cajun fans are accustomed to. But, hey, they're 18-9. and nine. They've won twice as many games as they have lost. And the good thing is they have beaten everyone they were expected to beat. Now the conference is upon us. It's. I don't think it's going to be as easy as it once was. I mean, Texas State has beaten Alabama. They have beaten Texas. South Alabama has beaten Alabama. So from what you've seen, do you think the Cajuns are going to win the conference and win it easily as they have in most recent years? They've been able to win it easily simply because of the fact that the second, third, and fourth place teams have been losing to other teams besides us. I, I don't know that, that it's going to be any different this year. We know that Texas State has challenged themselves in their non-conference schedule this year, a little bit better than they have in recent years. Um, and they've been successful against better competition now. South Alabama has as well. So the conference as a whole is going to be better. The question is going to be, what will the Cajuns do against all these teams we know what we expect them to do, but what will they do? And what will everybody else do? We always know that the fight is going to be for second place. We're the best team in the conference. We go out and prove it every year. They have to prove themselves to us. Right. Absolutely. 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 I'm really looking forward to uh, some of the conference games. We've got the really big 
rivals coming here. I mean, Texas yep. State will be here. Alabama, uh, South Alabama will be here. Not Alabama, South Alabama. We do have to go to Troy, but that's only a hop, skip, and a jump away. So that's really all I've got. I really do appreciate you joining me. I hope the rest of the season uh, is full of, uh, like you mentioned, some run rolls and the pitching gets more consistent, as does the fielding and the play at the plate. My word was inconsistent. Your word was learning. So, uh, again, Terrell, thank you so much for joining me. I really do appreciate it. All right. Thanks, sir. Yeah, I'm headed out to uh, Hattiesburg. It's supposed to rain on Friday, maybe a doubleheader on Saturday. We'll have to see what happens. But, again, thanks for joining me, and we'll talk to you next time. Sounds good. Thank you. Have a good trip. That's all I've got for you in this podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you did, I hope you take the time to subscribe, tell a friend. And we, as always, this is the Roar Man, and I will see you at the ballpark.